Welcome to Positive Productivity, Episode 146. Welcome to Positive Productivity Podcast, where we empower our audience to achieve and appreciate personal and professional success, especially in the face of adversity. Listen in as our guests reveal their stories of challenges and hurdles and how they overcame defeat and became triumphant in their endeavors. Let's get motivated and move forward with your host, Kim Sutton. Welcome back to another episode of the Positive Productivity Podcast. This is your host, Kim Sutton, and today I am thrilled to have our guest, Jonathan Dio. I got that right, Jonathan, right, Dio? Yes, you did. Yes, you did. That should just be my standard introduction. I got that right, right? Like every single episode, listeners, you know me. Me and names don't always get along. Jonathan is the author of Mindful Money, Simple Practices for Reaching Your Financial Goals and Increasing Your Happiness Dividend. See, you just made the blooper episode. Jonathan, <laughs> Jonathan, I am so thrilled to have you here. Thank you so much for being on. I'm excited to be on. Jonathan, would you mind sharing a little bit about your background, what you do, and how you came to write your book? Uh, absolutely. That's a good place to start, I guess. So I've been in financial services for 20 years, but for the five to seven years before that, I studied comparative religion and I ended up studying specifically Buddhist studies and, and phenomenology and epistemology. And this is sort of how we experience the world and then how we take that and turn that into information that we act on. And then, you know, fast forward you know, 17 years into my career and I'm sitting down with uh, one of my clients around 2008. And this is, you know, remembering 2008, 2009, the world is falling apart. Clients are terrified. I mean, really, really scared. The headlines are, you know, this time is different. The economy is coming to an end. Markets are never going to recover. And, and, you know, it's scary out there. So I'm sitting down with the client and she's asking me, this is March of, of 2000, maybe 2009-ish. And she's asking me, you know, Jonathan, what, what do I do? I make this contribution every single year into my SEP IRA. Right. It's just a standard conversation you'd have every year with a client. What do we do this year? This year seems to be a little bit different. And I said the same thing. I said, you know what? I don't know what the future holds. I have I sort of have absolute faith in markets and economies. I think this is kind of the time that it's the best possible time to be investing. It's scary. I get that. Um, And, you know, there's quotes and there's all kinds of reasons and there's research. And but really what I want you to do, Alice, is I, I want you to just trust me. And and we talked for another half an hour and she said, this is Alice Walker. She said at the end of this conversation, she said, um, Jonathan, you need to you need to write a book. Um, It's not enough for me to get this. It's this is this is a message that more people need to get. And so she agreed at that moment to write my forward. And then seven years later, (laughs) I finished writing the book. uh, And I finally sent her the first the first sort of go of it. And she said, this is great. Um, She'll start writing the forward for it and the forwards in there. And it's wonderful. And I have I have so much gratitude for her in my life and her sort of stabling influence when it comes to writing. And, and, uh, um, it's, she's just, she's just fantastic. And she pushed it and I I think it's been pretty well received and I've loved writing it. And it's, it's just been a really, a really fun trip. You just actually made me feel a lot better about my own book, which listeners have heard about a few times because I was struggling with the fact that I've been writing it for three months and aren't done with it yet. 
<laughs> I have I have uh, six or seven academics as clients, and their job is to churn stuff out, you know. And they churn out some great stuff, and they tell me, yeah, it's six months, a year, and I was I just felt like a complete, like I was a goofball failure. It took me seven years to write the thing, start, stops, re-edits, edits, you know, just oh my god, it took forever. Well, I think it's really interesting though, because I mean, you did it the way that it was meant to be done for you. Right. right. Just because it works for them doesn't mean that it's the right way for you. And if you had tried to do it in three months, six months, a year, you very well might not have had. Well, just everything probably lined up exactly how it was supposed to. Yeah, it, w- it would be nowhere near as good. And it would com- it would it would completely not have the um, the practices in there. I mean, we so we built in every single chapter, we built a slow, steady, iterative financial growth process. And ultimately it ends in having a personal financial plan at the end, right? So we built that in and it would not have had that. That was, that was a sixth year invention. They were like, hey, we should put this in here. And it was actually wasn't my invention. It was Nancy in my office's invention. Hey, this is a great idea. We should do this. Because it all sort of fed that, but we didn't notice that until spending all the time on it. And then so we sort of plugged that in at the end. And it's been, I think that's probably the most valuable part of the book. Oh, absolutely. Jonathan, just this past year, I've realized that well, I, I've been in business for five years. And the first four years were very much spent chasing income rather than trying to make an impact. I really was just trying to chase the successes and the launches and the money that I saw the community around me having. And by community around me, I mean on social media. And I realized just in the last year that that for me was not the way to be doing it. So, I mean, just reading off your back cover alone, right? I mean, the first question in the description, is it possible to be a conscientious I can never say that word right. Conscientious. <laughs> I told you, blooper reel. Blooper rule. On my side. Conscientious <laughs> citizen of the world and grow wealth. And and you say yes, and then the, the book explains how. That is such a big question. I mean, do I do I risk saying that word again? Can you say it for me? Conscientious. conscientious. Oh, I did it. Conscientious. Well done. <laughs> I mean, it really is possible when... We can grow wealth while at the same time being a conscientious citizen. That's my word of the day. I'm going to have to go put it out there. Write it down. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, I think I'm going to teach it to my three-year-old when she gets home. That will be fun. Could you dig a bit deeper into the meat of your book and, and share more about the thought about being a, being a conscientious? I'm not even going to try. A, a conscientious citizen. citizen. Yes. Uh, yes. A good citizen and grow wealth. Sure. Uh, so I would actually take it one step further. Uh, the, when we when we originally started writing the book, we had the audience of in mind, I had this audience of people who needed basics, right? You know, well, how much should I save? What does that look like? And just very, very, very basics. And I, and I think there's, you know, that's probably 90% of us. There's a lot of people that need just basics. But as I wrote the book, what I realized was the two avenues of my life have been uh, meditation, comparative religion, psychology, you know, studies of the human mind. What's, what does thriving mean? What does it mean to be happy? Where do we find meaningful, uh, meaningful lives? How do we create meaningful lives? That, that is one avenue. And the other avenue is this, is this uh, sort of financial, you know, expertise and how do you invest and all this kind of stuff. So 
what I saw was there's there are people out there who are actually very financially successful and have no meaning or don't know what it means or are just not happy with it. And I and I I bump up against this all the time. So what I started seeing was there's there's another audience here. And there's this audience of people that don't know how to link the two. And I think in our culture, we've done an incredible job of separating it out and saying, you know, we need work-life balance, meaning we need to do work less and have more time with our family. And we need to work less and have more time for our community. And we need to work less and have more time with our kids rather than saying, hey, what kind of work should I have? What kind of work should I do that will fulfill me, that will boost me, that will give me energy that I can do while I'm engaged with my family, while I'm, and, and so I integrate these parts of my life. And because we've separated it, the financial rewards of work have been something that's, um, you know, uh, we've, we've, we've created this, uh, the situation where I'm in competition with my employer I'm in competition with my clients. I'm in comp because I want to put as little effort in as possible in order to get the maximum financial reward. And that's just crazy. That just that just puts us all against each other. But if we say, hey, you know, I what I'm going to do is I'm going to produce as much value from my heart as I can, and I'm going to believe, I start with the belief that my values are worthwhile, that the things I can produce are valuable, and that the the market, the community, the people out there will recognize that value in time, not tomorrow, not necessarily next week, not even necessarily next year. It took me, it took me 17 years to get to the place uh, where I thought I had something. And then it took me about 20 years to get to the place where I had uh, the sense that I am now successful. And now I got to fight off this, you know, am I a fraud feeling, right? Um, which is, I guess that's sort of ubiquitous when, when people become successful as they, as they start feeling, hey, is this for real or what, is someone's going to take this away? That's my struggle. But it took, it took 20 years to build something. And so what the book tries to do is say, hey, let's, let's start with our values. Let's start with what do you think is important? What do you think your purpose is? And let's pursue that. And let's pursue that with everything we have. And it's, it's going to be a tough slog. It's going to be a hard difficult process. And it's going to be iterative. You're going to fail. You're going to start over. You're going to learn something. You're going to start something new. You're going to fail at that. You're going to start something again. I, you know, in my earliest part of my careers, I spent seven years at six, sorry, seven firms in six years. So I went from one firm and there was a merger and I moved to another firm and, and I didn't like that firm. So I moved to another firm and there was another merger and then I moved to another firm. And it was just like, I couldn't figure it out. I've learned lessons along the way until I finally set up my own practice and, and decided I could do it my way. And I thought that was the right way. And once I trusted myself and my ability, I basically spent seven years learning lessons until I trusted myself to do it the right way. And then that's, you know, seven years to nowhere. And now I got it and then I could move forward. And then it was probably seven years till I had a, you know, uh, <laughs> a, a lower middle-class income. It took a long time to build I that. that. Make it happen. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And, and that confidence though, the confidence though will start to allow you to start getting out of that income. But sometimes the confidence to trust yourself and trust your heart and trust that you know what you should be doing. That's often, well, it was for me, the hardest part to get over and the confidence to say no when it wasn't the right opportunity, because 
I found myself in the trap that I was saying yes to everything because I didn't want the income to slip. Oh, of course, of course. Right, so that's uh, along. There's another. There's another thing you're thinking about while you're developing this. You know, if you if you start with these passions and you start with these things that you value and your purpose, then you're also recognizing what do you really want out of it in the financial planning process. We recognize, we, we, we admit that there are a million things that I could do. Like I could learn how to scuba dive. I could, I could travel a lot. I could drive a very nice car. I could live in a great house. I can, there's so many ways I can spend my resources. So in the planning process, you, you figure out, okay, how do I want to spend my resources? Not, not how does the world think I should spend my resources? Not, not how did my parents teach me to spend my resources? Not how do my neighbors do it? Not how do my, you know, the parents at my kid's school do it? None of those things. It's, you, it starts inside. Both the drive, the passion, the values, and the financial trade-offs. Those things are both inside. That's what, that's what we're mindful of. We're mindful of Hey, this is what we love to do to to uh, integrate our our working lives with our lives, and this is what I want to have as outcomes, and that's those have to both come from the heart, and they don't usually in our culture. I I mentor um, students at, at uh, Cal Berkeley, and you know, some of them come in with this. Well, my dad said, I, and it surprises me every single time. My dad said I should probably be a doctor. Or my dad said I should be an attorney. Or my mom wants me to, you know, um, pursue this line of work or that line of work. Or my dad was a was a hedge fund manager, so I think I should be a hedge fund manager. And and I just it just blows my mind that that kids that are nineteen, twenty, that are really smart kids. I mean, these are at we're talking Cal. We're talking the best one of the best public universities in the country, right? Really smart kids, and they don't. They don't understand that they have been programmed. They've been programmed by their community, their culture themselves, and they're, they're pursuing something that they're going to wake up, you know, five, eight, ten years from now and go, wow, is this, this doesn't seem to be really what I wanted to do. You know, and that's, it's unfortunate, but maybe that's a lesson we all have to learn. Oh, I completely think that you're right. And I'm wondering, you know, rather just even taking it back to middle school and high school, I mean, I've got a middle is he middle school? I guess he will be middle school next year. We don't have a conventional middle school in my town. That's why I'm confused people. Um, and then a son who's about to be a freshman. And, you know, we get into that pattern of asking, what do you want to be when you grow up? But maybe it should be not what do you want to be? But I, I don't even know the better question, Jonathan. You know, like... Who do you want to be? Who? Yeah, exactly. I like that a lot better. Who do you want to be? Yeah, and, and you, you. So when I, uh, I have a middle schooler. He's he's in sixth grade, um, and it's it's a very interesting dilemma for me because I love folk music and I love the game of soccer, and it just so happens that my son is a great soccer player and he's a guitarist and he plays a lot of folk music. He plays a lot of pop music too, and he's he's good at it. And I, I always, I, you know, I'm putting him, tucking him in a bed at night, and I say, hey man, you know, I really want you to understand that if you don't want to play soccer and you want to play basketball or you want to golf or you don't want to do any sports at all, you want to dance, whatever it is, I'm going to be in your, I'm going to be in your court. I don't want you to do this because I love it. And I'd say it over and over and over. And I coached his team and I coached my daughter's team. And, and I, I worry about that. I worry that without, I mean, even 
with the intention of not programming, I'm programming because I have desires and I have things I love and I express that. And because we are human and we have to do that, we don't have a choice if I, right. Uh, so I worry that I'm, I'm guiding him towards things that I like. And then one day he'll go, you know what? I like the drums. I don't even like guitar. Right. Which is, I guess, you know, again, we, we, we don't, it's, it's interesting because we have biases and we don't know what they are and we don't know how they affect the people around us. What we can learn from that is, other people have biases and they don't know how they affect the people around them and we are the people around them. So this is why you have to, this is why meditation is important. This is why slowing down the film is important so you can make better decisions that are more reflective of your values and what, what you see as important. Jonathan, I'm curious, do you have a vision board? You know, I, I have had vision boards. I don't have one currently. I would be it would be difficult for me to point to a thing that, or or a, an experience that I want at this point. I mean, I my vision board would involve my children being solid citizens of the real world and leaving legacy. I mean, it's you know, mm. I, I've 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 accomplished a lot that I would have put on my vision board that I that I have put on the vision board. And the interesting thing about it is is I used to write down the list, right? I used to write these are the hundred things I want to accomplish. And I go back 10 years later and I look at those and I've accomplished, you know, 70 of them. Uh, and it's, it's pretty, it's amazing the power of that, write down the list and, or have the vision board and, and, and your, your mind just goes to work on filtering out the other stuff that, and guides you towards that conclusion. It's, it's, it's amazing how the mind works. Oh, absolutely. I'm actually asking because my vision board fell off the wall and is peeking out from behind my desk. But I think oh, the ooh. reason why... I haven't done anything about fixing it or taking it back out is because so many things have changed in the past year. I mean, I right. think I had like a a Mercedes van on there that would fit my whole family. But as you were as you said a few minutes ago, there's society's expectation and then yep. there's what we really want. I mean, listeners, I don't know if I've shared this before. I drive and we are recording this in 2017, but just to give you perspective, I drive a 1996 GMC conversion van, which I'm just waiting for the step on the side to fall off. But it runs very well, <laughs> and it, it's great for our family. Is it pretty? No, but it's functional, and it makes us happy because it gets us from point A to point B. Taking that vision board out without a remodel to it, I don't want the expectation of myself that that's what I'm going to be driving because I don't need to drive that. So I have a client uh, who loves cars and it's just a fact. That's his thing. Like he will trade away vacation and travel time for a really cool car, which is great. That's fine. That's his thing. And he's honoring himself and he's being true to that. And I think that's good for him. Now, I have another client who drives a 1984 Honda Civic, and he's, you know, he's got plenty of money. He travels all the time. He's got a, lives in a fantastic house in a great neighborhood, and kids all went to private school. And, but he doesn't care about the car. The, the key isn't to judge yourself about, hey, I want this, but I, I feel bad about that. It's to say, what do I want? And then say, I'll do what I can do to get what I want. So I don't want this to be well, let's all be selfish. That's not what this is. I mean, you're part of a community, you're part of a family and you want, I mean, you, you express this, it, it was a Mercedes van, but it was a Mercedes van that fit my whole family, 
right? So there's a, there's something communal about that for the family. And I'm, and I'm assuming uh, is your middle schooler or the near middle schooler, is that the oldest child? No, my oldest is going to be a freshman in high school. Okay. But I so do have you, to say, though, like I've shifted because I found a Nissan that sits seats totally 12. Fine. And yeah. it's like a third of the money. Yep. 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 I realized I didn't, I don't need that fancy, not that they aren't nice looking listeners. If somebody wanted to give me one of those Mercedes, <laughs> I would happily accept it. However, you know, I'm realizing that simply getting us from point A to point B with enough room so that nobody needs to sit on the floor illegally is just fine for our family. And yeah. and it makes us happy. And there comes your happiness dividend. And the, and the trade-off's not worth it. Like, right. Investing the resources that you have for your retirement or the kids' educations in the car isn't worth it. Right. Not a good trade-off. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And especially, I mean, I'm not living in California, so our cost of living is just a little bit different. But that difference would just about pay for our entire house. Right. You know? So, yeah. again, what what is it? So, but I love going back to what I can ask my kids is, who do you want to be? I love that. And we can each ask ourselves that on a daily basis. Who do we want to be? Yeah. And then, and then it's not a matter of, oh, I'm not that person. I should feel bad. It's, it's okay. I want to, this is the kind of person I want to be. Uh, this is who I'd like to be. Here's, here's some models of that, of that person. Maybe that's what the vision board should be. Like if, if you have a, um, and I'm just, you know, mother Teresa popped in my head. Um, the Dalai Lama pops in my head. If you want to be somebody that's known and gives back and is really calm and, and supportive of the world and the people around them. And it, it, you put that on your vision board, right? That's, uh, that's incredible to me. If you want to be a successful business person, put, put, you know, Elon Musk on your visit, on your, on your vision board. Um, but it's who you become, I think largely determines, and this is why we start with values and, and what's important to you and, and being true to those priorities. Um, that's where we start with that in the book, because I think that that will determine many of your outcomes with patience and work, right? You add patience and you add work to your values and your direction. And, I think the universe has to give it to you. I don't, I don't think anyone can keep you from it. I want to be a non-stressed mom whose blood pressure never rises except for when there's big achievement. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to work on that. I think that's, that's admirable. I, I wish you the best of luck. But you just said the universe has to give it to you. The, the, the universe has to give it to you. Uh, yes. Uh, maybe, maybe by the time they graduate. Mm-hmm. I know. My husband Patience. and I actually have not taken our honeymoon yet. We've been married for five years because our family, we actually have a total of seven kids, um, but five of them, I mean, literally, you know, came out of me, but considering we just want to take a honeymoon before the youngest graduate high school. That would be. Do you have an older brother or sister that can take the kids for a while? (laughs) Yes, but I'm going to plead the fifth on that comment. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, Okay. Yes. (laughs) I I, I think they don't listen to the podcast, so that's okay. Um, Um, how has your, reflection of yourself and who you want to be changed over the course of writing and publishing your book? Would you say that it has? Hmm. The reflection of who I want to be, has it changed? You know, this is, it's really interesting. I think one of the things that makes me probably a little different or maybe perfectly suited for what I do is when I was about nine or 10 years old, my dad 
um, the kinds of things we talked about involved life timeline. And it wasn't, Jonathan, this is how your life will proceed. It was, Jonathan, um, this is how many lives sort of on average kind of proceed. And so as you're thinking about your life, you should think about, you know, where you want to be when you're 20, where you want to be when you're 30, where you want to be when you're 40. And so I have sort of a deeply ingrained awareness about becoming and stepping towards those things. And so, uh, you know, when I was, when I was 10, I knew that I would go to high school, I'd graduate high school, I'd go to college, I'd graduate college. I might get married, I might not get married, you know, I might work for a while, I might go to grad school, I might, and then, you know, I would get married and I, I always wanted to have kids. And I, and so the thing right now, if I said, okay, what's, what do I want to become? I'm, I'm very much in your camp of, uh, I want to have a calmer response to life. I want to be more settled, um, in terms of just my own bearing, not, a, you know, cause life is frenetic. Life just, just keeps coming at me and things keep changing. I, I like, like you, I have, uh, what is it? The ideas, the, um, chronic idea disorder. I, I have that every day. I've got three or four brands every single day. I, I have a new brand or a new article or a new book or a new thing. And it's always, I can do this. I'm working on two presentations right now. I'm working on an article right now. So I want that to slow down and I would like to garden more. Uh, I would like to travel more in terms of becoming the person. I think I am, or I am close to that person. I do the things you know, my morning routine, I spend two, two and a half hours before my day starts meditating, exercising, writing, and just basically thinking. And this is before, you know, my son gets up really early, but I'm usually up about an hour and a half before that. And then he gets up for an hour and reads. And by the time he comes down, you know, I've had two and a half hours of reflective, quiet time. And that stabilizes who I am. And it sort of keeps me on the path that I that I want to be on. It has changed over time because of, I've added a brand and I've added a, you know, I want to be a more public figure like that is, and, and education, the book is part of that, part of that process. Because I think that we need to have a messenger that is in financial services that comes from a more mindful place um, rather than you know, more, 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 bigger, 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 faster, 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 screechy, yelling at people. And there's a lot of financial pundits out there and they're all prognosticating. They're saying, you know, they're not planning oriented, you know, passion oriented. And there's a couple that are good and I, and I'm not, you know, I'm not down on the whole thing, but there's a lot of messages that come from the financial services world that are just not helpful, that are actually deletive of both our financial success and our happiness. And I, I need to push back against that or somebody needs to. And I, I'm, I'm sort of, I think I'm a good messenger for that. I love that. That's amazing. And I'm, I'm also amazed. And this is probably just the mom side of me that your son gets up and reads for an hour every day. He is an incredible boy. He is amazing. He gets up and reads for about an hour and then he, you know, he gets ready for school and then he plays guitar for 30 minutes. I mean, it's, uh, I, I don't know where this kid came from. I mean, it's, it's I mean, I'm both, both my wife and I are, are pretty dedicated and pretty, you know, we, we do stuff and we, we engage and we pop up, 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 we get stuff done. He does, he's that way. Uh, he has both my left brain and my wife's left brain. So, um, but he's playing guitar. So he's got a little right brain in there too. I don't know where that came from, but uh, he's, he's an incredible kid. My daughter also uh, fantastic. She's a little bit more relaxed about her time, but she's nine. So, you know, it's, it'll come. 
Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, my, my I was impressed to see that my son dug up one of my boxes of books in the basement yesterday and took out the whole Lord of the Rings trilogy and a Stephen King book that I, The Stand, I think, that I didn't even know oh, wow. I down there. And he's decided he's going to read it. That's a big one. It's a big one, but it's is it's uh, hold your son. <laughs> that's a that's a long book. <laughs> yeah, but I was just so happy to see him actually pull yeah. books out rather than okay, what what can I download from Steam to play right now? Right. Yep. Like, yep. Can I have your credit card? Yeah. No. Yeah. So I love to see. So maybe he'll get sucked into those and start a good month of reading. On the reading note, what are you reading right now? Great question. What am I reading right now? I'm reading a book on uh, healthy uh, organizations. So I'm, you know, I run my my wealth management firm, and I'm hiring, and and so I'm running a book on healthy organizations. I'm also reading a what's it called? It's um, it's a teeny tiny book about meditation. Just, you know, it's a teeny tiny little thing. I can't remember the title of the book. And I'm reading the sixth in the Harry Potter series with my daughter. And I'm reading the Once and Future King with my son. Oh, that's great. Listeners, I don't remember if I've already said, but you'll be able to get links to everything that we talk about, including Jonathan's book in the show notes, which you can find at thekimsutton.com forward slash PP146. Hey, it'd be really cool if you could add a link to the Happiness Dividend blog in there, too. Oh, definitely will. I would love for you to actually share more about the Happiness Dividend blog with the listeners. Great. So the the Happiness Dividend blog is sort of step two. I think that step one is really reading the book, the, the Mindful Mindful Money, the book. And that gives you a good background of sort of what the steps you need to take. And, you know, and then the Happiness Dividend blog is support along the path. It is, you know, this is kind of, the world is talking about all this stuff, markets, economies, blah, blah, blah. This is kind of another take on it. This is, you know, why I think it's going to be okay. This is, we're sort of combating the message of the day, you know, returning people to the mindfulness, returning people to their breath, returning people to their plan that they've done through the book. We also have links to videos that we've done and and other investment tools that we've done. And we have a link to hourly planning. It's at some point when somebody needs that, they can, they can link in with with actual financial planner and, and do um, modular kinds of things and look at their retirement income plan, which we get more specific. The book gives you a, a, a good rough outline, rough idea, but we can get more specific to an individual in the planning process. And we just, it's sort of step two in developing our connectivity between our lives and our money. So fabulous. There will definitely be a link to the blog as well as the book mindful money in the show notes. And again, just because I don't think I said it earlier in the episode and I don't want listeners who are driving to forget, it's at thekimsutton.com forward slash PP146. Jonathan, it has been an absolute pleasure chatting with you today. And I really look forward to chatting with you again in the future. Where can listeners find you online? You already mentioned the Happiness Dividend blog. Is there another great place to connect with you? You can connect with us at, uh, uh, you know, on Facebook, you know, forward slash happiness dividend, and you can connect with us on Twitter. It's hap dividend and follow us there. And you can, you know, check in with us at uh, happinessdividend.com. Fabulous. Do you have a piece of parting advice or a golden nugget that you would love to share with listeners? Yes. The most important thing that I think for us all to realize is that we can do it. 
sit with that for a second. We here in the United States have been born in an incredible country with incredible opportunity. We have a ton of upside. We you know, have technology at our fingertips that allows us to do all kinds of stuff. It's free at the most of the libraries. It's, there's, the possibilities are endless, but we have to employ them. We have to use them. We have to pursue them. Uh, we have to grind. We have to work hard. And we can get there wherever there is for each of us. Hey there, this is Kim Sutton, host of the Positive Productivity Podcast. And I just want to take a quick moment to thank you for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it and were inspired, I would love to hear your feedback. Please take a moment or two and visit the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or on my website at thekimsutton.com to leave your rating or review. I'd also like to invite you to join the Positive Productivity Book Club and to find out more about my coaching packages by visiting thekimsutton.com. Until the next episode, I hope you have a positive and productive day.